Hey everyone, it is Nick Bradley here. Welcome to this week's episode of Scale Up. And I'm going to do a bit of a refresher, actually, of a episode that I did. Oh man, it must be a couple of years ago now. I can't remember exactly, but um, it's where I talked about the biggest mistakes that I have personally made in business. And it was a popular one. And you know what? It's funny. Sometimes people reach out to me and they think that because I've done quite a lot of different things in my career, in my business career, that um, potentially, potentially over time, I've got better at certain things. And you'd expect that to be true because the more we practice, the better we get at a lot of things, right? However, sometimes there are mistakes that I repeatedly make. Sometimes there are things that are, let's call them blind spots. And I want to go through maybe a little bit of my journey over the last couple of years since I last did a recording like this as well, because I want you to understand it doesn't matter what stage of business that you are at, you can still sometimes repeat patterns. And one of the best things about having a coach or a mentor and I've got multiple of them, is that they can call you out on all of your BS, right? The stuff that you kind of hide behind or you put sort of, you know, behind the behind the closet or behind the couch and they get you on it. So a little bit of backstory to this. So those who have been listening to the show have known I've been away for the last few weeks. I've been traveling across the US going to multiple events. I did an episode last week, which was Learnings from Funnel Hacking Live, which was an amazing event in Orlando in Florida. And I suppose if there is an inspiration for this episode, it is a another mastermind event that I went to in San Diego recently that was hosted by Grant Cardone. Now, Some people find Grant in particular difficult, challenging. They may not like his perspectives and views. In fact, I posted something on social media recently about the experience at this mastermind. And a couple of people reached out and said, you know, what what do you really think of Grant? Now, my view is in this world where you start to rub shoulders with people who have profile is you've got to judge them on how they are with you, how you see them right? Not what everyone says. And there's a view that's out there that, you know, if you play too much in the middle, if you're in the gray zone, as I call it, then you're not really meaning a lot to anyone, right? So sometimes being polarizing, having people who love what you say and having people that kind of don't like it is where you need to sit, right? Because you're not going to please everybody, right? You know, no one that I know that is very, very successful pleases everybody. And I suppose the paradox of that is the more successful that you become, the more that you can polarize people and you have more of these these things, these entities called haters, where you know people just don't like what you're saying. And that's absolutely fine. So my perspective on Grant Cardone is he's always been really good to me. The conversations that I've had with him, either one-to-one or in group formats. And this event in San Diego was you know, effectively exactly like that. You know, I had the opportunity to be in a room with about 40 to 50 entrepreneurs. I had the opportunity to ask questions of what he's doing in his business, how he's managing money. And we got onto a topic in that room, which was about mistakes in business. And we all got to share those various mistakes. And so today I want to go through that with you on the context of that, some of the things that were shared in that room, some of the things that are personal to me, always with the intent that you can 
take these these learnings, take these things back into your business. Maybe they resonate with you. Maybe they spark a different thought that you haven't had. And as a result of that, that's going to make you make a positive change in what you're trying to create. Okay, so there's quite a few of these. I'm going to try and rattle through them, put a little bit of commentary to it. But as always, give me some feedback. Tell me what you think. Have you made these same mistakes? Have you repeatedly made these same mistakes? And if so, what are you doing now? And what are you going to do about it in the future? Okay, so the first one and the big one, and this is a huge, huge one, is thinking too small. Okay, thinking too small. And having spent time at Funnel Hacking Live and the mastermind with Grant, plus another mastermind that I went to with a gentleman called Pete Vargas and a few, well, quite a lot of other big level entrepreneurs, people playing at a, at a high level, um, that definitely inspired me to think a bit bigger about what I'm creating. Now, I do a lot of stuff which sits up at eight or nine figures, you know, with business owners, exiting companies, as you know, scaling beyond eight figures, learning all the, the tips and strategies and secrets of M&A. But, you know, what would happen if I elevated that thinking? What would happen if you elevated your thinking? Maybe the stuff that's affecting you affecting you in the day-to-day running in the minutiae of your business is actually holding you back from creating what you want. Now, Google talks about this quite a lot with what is called a moonshot. Moonshot being that when you set goals, if you work at Google, your performance is not dictated on the achievement of a big goal. It's on kind of setting a big goal and then maybe getting 70 of 70 to 80% of the way there. So the idea is if you set a goal like moonshot, meaning getting someone on the moon, right, that that lofty goal that was kicked around in sort of US and, and Russian politics back in the in the 60s, if you have that as a goal, it's it's so big that even if you get a percentage of the way there, it's going to transform everything for you. So maybe that is that is the action. Yeah. You know, maybe you have to set the moonshot in your business so that you can, you know, get more, more or farther there than what you would do by playing small. Okay. So that's the first one. Second one is staying liquid. Okay. So this is an interesting one. This is not one of mine per se, but this is one that was kicked around the room, which is this idea that people come after those that have money. So this idea that you hoard cash, you have cash in your bank as opposed to investing in assets, be that you know properties, businesses like I like to invest in, having having too much cash or being too liquid can be an issue. Now, there is obviously the uh, counter argument to that, which is that in times where the economy is a bit fragile, maybe having liquidity is an important thing. But if you have too much liquidity, maybe that's a, a scarcity mindset for you, as opposed to investing in assets, which are going to have a greater return, particularly when we have challenging um, economic situations like high inflation. Okay, interesting one to kick around with. The third one is, is having too few products or services, too few offers. So again, a lot of the things I'm going to talk about today as mistakes are things that there is always a great, as I said, counter argument to them. But if you've only got one product or service, and you know, that's not working, you're not leveraged enough to be able to pivot quickly or change quickly to other things. Now, the, the counter argument is that you should focus on one thing. And if you, if you build that out, that, that gives you a huge amount of momentum. And from that one thing, you can create other things. Okay, It's often referenced in multiple streams of income. However, 
I think personally, the the idea of having just one thing that you double down on as opposed to having different solutions for different problems that your ideal client could have or your ideal customer could have is a better way of working. So these days I do multiple things. I work with business owners that are coming through from seven to eight figures. Ultimately, I work with business owners who have created something quite transformational that they want to exit. But as you can imagine, within the the paradigm of those two different areas or that, that, that journey that the entrepreneur is on, there are lots of other solutions that I can provide and I do you know, to solve the problems that come with that level of, of transformational growth. Okay, the next one is not having partnerships, not having partnerships and joint ventures in place. And I'll be really honest with you, this is something that I personally have struggled with as I've built businesses over, over the years. So by that, I mean, you know, when I used to work in private equity, we would have partnerships in place that would effectively allow us to do mergers and acquisitions. But what I've found to be true is I've become more entrepreneurial myself over these last few years is that everything has to be done with others. You cannot build something substantial alone. You have to be able to build deep relationships, right? Deep relationships. So it's not just about a partnership where it's a transactional thing. That's not what I'm talking about here. It's about having something much more authentic, maybe longer term, and having multiple of these. So if you're not scaling or growing your business quickly right now, ask yourself the question, have you got enough partnerships, strong relationships in place to allow you to achieve your goals? Okay, so a great book by Russell Brunson, top of mind because I was at his event, Funnel Hacking Live, and he talks about the Dream 100, which is not his concept, but he talks about it in a a fantastic book called Traffic Secrets. And the idea being that if you haven't got the ability to go and buy ads and do do lots of um, paid activity to be able to create awareness of what you're doing, what you need to do is you need to be able to go and leverage partnerships. And he has a Dream 100, which actually turned into a Dream 570, which is who is the the 100 people or the 570 in his case that are talking to my ideal audience so that I can build a relationship with them and then I can get to my ideal client or customer through that network. Game-changing concept if you get your head around it. And I can say personally, as I've lent more into partnerships over the recent years, it has transformed what I do on a global scale, particularly the stuff that I'm now doing in North America. Okay. Let's keep going. I'll, I said I'd rattle through, but they're all, they're all good points, right? I want you to kind of get the understanding behind them. Now, if you have a partner, and this is kind of a slightly different, this is kind of now moving into the world of business partnership. But if you have a, a business partner that wants to stay too much under the radar, doesn't want to put themselves out there enough in whatever lane that they play, maybe consider that you have the wrong partner. And one of the mistakes that I've made consistently, I think, in my career is holding on to people too long, be that employees, partners, people around me that either don't serve the mission that we're now on. In other words, they might have been right at the beginning, but they're not right anymore. Or a dynamic has changed where, you know, think of uh, lines that are either converging or diverging. So if the, if the lines of a relationship are, diver- are diverging, it means that the, the gap between what you're trying to create and the partner that you are working with becomes wider. 
So whether that's employees, whether that's partnerships, whatever, you've got to always assess consistently whether you're on the same track and whether those lines are working together and coming together versus going apart. Because if they're starting to go apart and they can't be brought back, then you're going to fall into this distracting point or, or, or point in time in your business where you are you're kind of fighting internally about things versus focusing on the external stuff, the market and the customers, which is where the game is played. Okay. All right. Wow. There's so much here, right? So let's keep going. So a little bit like my liquidity point earlier on, saving too much cash and not aggressively spending money. So this is a bit of a weird one, particularly as we went through COVID, all of us recently. And one of the things I said is you have to have a runway, if you like, of at least six months of cash in your business because cash is king. And as soon as you run out of cash, cash you don't have a business, right? So you've got to have cash. That said, if you save too much cash, again, back to scarcity, this mindset of scarcity, and you're not spending it on growth, then generally what happens is you break the cycle of how energy, because cash and, and, and money is effectively the flow of energy from one person who values it more from a person who values it the least, right? I'll say that again. Cash or money flows to people who value it more from people who value it least, okay? Super important concept. If you are not exchanging in that flow of money, that flow of energy, then you can actually get yourself into a bigger problem, right? Because you're hunkering down, you're not thinking expansively, and that can actually start to really slow down your business because how you show up as a leader will also be connected to the way that you are you are spending and the way that you are investing your money. Okay, so an important thing, I now invest money a lot more than what I used to, certainly at the beginning of my entrepreneurial career, be that on mentors or coaches, so therefore on myself, I'm backing myself, or marketing activities or strategic partnerships, some of those other things, because I know that if I make the right decisions and I invest properly, I'm going to get to my end game more quickly and with more certainty than someone who plays too small in that way. Okay. All right, let's keep kicking on. Not aggressively hiring people. And the point here being not building your bench before you need to. So any great sporting team, the ones that do consistently well are buying for the future, like they're buying players in when they don't necessarily need them. And sometimes they're overstacking their bench. You see this all the time where you get someone who was a great player in one team, maybe a, a mid to low level team, and then they join the best team in the league and they sit on the bench for a year and you think, oh, that guy was so good. Or, you know, that, that woman was so good. Why aren't they now playing? And it's, it's effectively a bench strategy. It's the idea that you're mitigating risk. So if your star player gets injured or whatever it is, you have someone else to absolutely put on the pitch at that point in time to win the game. There is no difference in that concept or that philosophy in business. Okay? So you should be aggressively hiring people early. And when I when I talk about you know why, you know, how do you do that, Nick? When people ask me the question, I haven't got the money. Okay, again, remember these are all thoughts of risk and scarcity. You're not backing yourself. You only have to be able to hire someone in and pay, in my opinion, up to three months of their salary. You know, if you bring someone in on an annual salary of six figures, for example, over 100 grand, and you're thinking, oh, I haven't got that money, I can't afford that. Well, you know, you've got to get traction in the first 90 days of hiring someone. So can you afford to, to bankroll or cash flow the first 90 days of a, of a big hitter coming into your business? Okay, if you can, okay, and you hire the right people and you are diligent in that process, you're going to get the return. And the return should always be significantly more than the investment going in, okay? 
So aggressively hiring people, in contrast to that, as I spoke about with partners before, keeping people too long. What Grant said in the uh, the mastermind, which I thought was a very interesting distinction, is your people are either an asset or a liability. Okay, I'll say that again. Your people are either an asset or a liability. And if you don't know which one of those they are, they're a liability. Okay, <laughs> I mean, that's quite aggressive. But if you if you look at all the people you've got in your organization through that lens, it definitely gets you thinking a little bit differently. Okay, all right. Next one is trying to please everybody. A little bit to the point I mentioned about Grant at the beginning. He's quite polarizing. Some people love him. Some people hate him. Some people love me. Some people hate me. Okay, all good. But you can't please everybody. You have to have something that you stand for and something that you stand against, okay, in all areas of life, not just business. So don't be the person in the middle. Don't be the person who's trying to be vanilla, right? Nothing wrong with vanilla ice cream. I love it. But it's not something that's going to get you to stand out and be remarkable. It's not going to be the thing that gets you to stand out and create a remarkable business, okay? Okay, next one is not being accessible enough, being too remote, Okay, now there's a balance here with time. When I first started the podcast, I was, you know, I had the opportunity to speak to lots of people. I had these kind of 15 and 30 minute consults that I did. And now that the podcast has grown, it's, it's literally impossible for me to be able to serve everybody that I could serve in the beginning. And that makes sense because, you know, my, my podcast has grown, my business has grown as a result of that. But I still like to be as accessible as I possibly can. Okay, as, as much as I possibly can. And if people reach out to me, I always get back to them. It may not be straight away, but I do. So, so whatever happens, how, however successful you get, and there were a lot of eight, nine, and, and some 10-figure business owners in this room in San Diego, never forget where you've come from. Never forget that there was always a person that you know, was like you when you were in the beginning. Okay, So be accessible to people. And, and, and with that, in my, my view, is treat people with, with the absolute respect that you had, again, when you didn't have everything you have now. Now, you might be in that point right now, but if you listen to the podcast and keep putting into action the things that I talk about, you won't be there for long. But just remember, accessibility and respect are hugely important in life as they are in business. Okay? A few more to go. Having one vertical or one niche staying in one lane. Now, I have talked in the past about the importance of staying in one lane. I think that's super important when you're trying to get through the seven-figure mark in your business. I think once you get into the seven-figure mark, and certainly once you get past the eight-figure mark, it's a risk, okay? You don't want to be in one vertical, one niche, because that can be disrupted, okay? You want to have more diversification. But at that point in time where you have the foundations in, in place in your business, you should be elevating yourself enough that you have the capacity to be able to think bigger, more expansively, to do more things and still have your business run successfully. So I have got multiple investments in businesses. I think it's 12 now in total, okay, including my wife's businesses, which are doing great, and then the stuff that we do around the edges of that and some more philanthropic things. But I have earned the right to do that by being successful initially in one lane, okay? The M&A lane, the business growth lane. But don't stay there, 
Okay, the point is don't stay there. Once you're starting to get some traction, some success, don't think that staying in that lane, you know, it's the whole what got me here is going to get me to the next level because it won't. Okay, next one is honoring people prematurely. What does that mean? It means thinking someone is the all-star, right? To use that sporting analogy again, before they've really proven that. Okay, so this is not about being a hard ass all the time with either staff or partners or whatever, but always have that degree of skepticism that comes also with optimism. Okay, so the point being here is that someone can absolutely play a blinder once. If they do that consistently, then then they're starting to earn the right to be on a higher pedestal. Okay, that's a, a really important thing in, in business because you might hire someone for your teams and they, they, they really go in, the momentum's there, the energy's there, they deliver, and then very quickly they drop the ball. And it's the old adage of how I do something, you know, how I do anything is how I do everything, but you have to assess that over time. So it's almost like don't fall in love too quickly, right? But once someone absolutely proves to you that they are aligned with your values, they're on the path, they're on the mission, the purpose is clear, then honoring them is absolutely the right thing to do. Okay, a bit of a strange way to put it, I get it. But if you're thinking about your business, a lot of people do come in and they, they're, they're a bright flash in the beginning, but then that flash peters out and you just got to make sure that you're assessing that um, and effectively not falling in love too soon. Okay, last few. Following my feelings, right? Um, focusing maybe a little bit more on the past as, a, as opposed to the future. And as a result of that, lowering expectations. Now, one of the big changes for me when I got into entrepreneurship was absolutely being more focused on the emotional side as opposed to the logical side, right? So in private equity, it's all logic, it's finances and numbers. But in business, it's more than that. The emotional context is true. But you've got to balance the gut feeling with the logic, okay? Not everything is, hey, this feels right, so I have to do it. But what I will say to you is I have a much more balanced view of those things now. So I'll, I'll listen to how I feel about something. I'll trust my gut, right? But then I'll, I'll, I'll counterbalance that with the logic as well, with the numbers, with the data. And if you can balance those two, two things and you can actually pivot between them, like sometimes there's more, there's more lean into the emotional side versus the logic side. It can change massively how you make decisions. You make decisions more quickly. And over time, as you begin to trust yourself, you make better decisions as well. Okay. Last one, and this is going to be an interesting one. Uh, actually, two more, two more. <laughs> so second to last one, listening too much to professionals, consultants, coaches, mentors. Now you're going to think, well, that's a bit weird, Nick, because you do coaching and consultant consulting. Yes, I do. Right. But, you know, I'll be the first to tell you, that if you balance everything on what someone's telling you all the time and not forming your own judgments, that's the wrong thing, right? Now, there are times when I'm not going to know everything that you've achieved. I'm not going to know the history. I'll make certain judgments based on what I've experienced. I'm not going to be 100% right. So I'm very conscious that when I'm coaching someone or doing a consultancy project, that I'm putting perspectives out there that are coming from a balanced view. Okay, now that's how I do it. It's not how everyone does it. So be super clear that, you know, you've got to have advisors around you. You know, it's super important as you certainly get into seven and eight figures. You've got to have a board, right? You've got to have people around you that 
are people you trust, but are people that are actually telling you how it is. But you don't have to listen to all of it. You have to take the information in, right? You have to get the insights, but ultimately you have to make the decisions, right? So if you think about that, that extra information that you're getting from experts is going to help you make better decisions, but don't trust everything as default, okay? So that's my perspective. I have heaps of people around me right now, but I make the decision ultimately. I take it all in, I balance my view, and I make the call. And that's what I'm impressing that you need to be doing here as opposed to just saying what, listening to everyone and saying what everyone's saying is right. Because the other thing also is you are going to get different opinions that are contrasting and conflicting. So that's the other reason. So you, you have to be able to make that judgment yourself. Okay, very last one. Talked a little bit before about if you're going to try and please everybody, you're not going to win. Okay, but the, the counter argument of that, again, is not being overly or unnecessarily polarizing. There are people out there that I see in social media in the same game that I am in now, and they will be putting stuff out there that is deliberately trying to get a reaction. Sometimes it's called clickbait in social media terms, but it can happen just in business regardless of whether you have a social media profile. My view is you have to have a stand. I said beforehand, standing for something, standing against something. But if you're just putting stuff out there that's just going to get a reaction all the time, you don't genuinely believe it. You are not being, uh, you're not showing a degree of integrity within your own values and your own standards, in my opinion. So have a view, but don't just put the view out there, which is the counter argument or the populist view, because it's not going to serve you longer term. Okay, that is it. We are finished. Uh, a bit longer than I expected here, but there's a lot in that. So just to, just to summarize, these are some themes that were talked about at Grant Cardone's Mastermind in San Diego recently. Big room, lots of big personalities and, and people and entrepreneurs and all of that there. I learned a lot. We kicked around the biggest mistakes that we've all made in business. So I thought I'd create a list of the ones that I've made and some of the ones that I continue to make, like holding on to people too long. That's always a killer. I hate that, right? As opposed to getting a little bit more objective around it and making a decision quickly. But I'm a nice guy. I try to be. Um, so hopefully within that list, I can't remember how many were there, something like 12 to 15, I think. Hopefully in that list, there is something that has resonated with you. It's something that you can take away in your business today and you can make a change and it can serve you. That is the goal. That has been the goal for today's episode. I hope you have enjoyed it. As I always say, be grateful, be brave, have faith and show up. Bye for now. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of Scale Up with Nick Bradley. If you enjoy the show just as much as I enjoy creating it for you, then I'd really appreciate you leaving a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And while you're there, why not subscribe to the channel so you never miss a future episode? It really helps me. It helps the show. Plus, it makes it easier for others to access the content that I'm producing week in and week out. And finally, if you want more information about anything you heard in today's show, or to find out how you can get more help in scaling up your business and your life, click the link in the show notes now to learn about our coaching, mentoring, and mastermind programs. See you soon.